You are listening to a podcast produced by the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. Follow this and our other podcasts on nzcpr.com. Welcome to our podcast for the 23rd of April 2023, presented by Dr. Muriel Newman. Labour has given the Three Waters a new name and increased the number of water entities from 4 to 10. But is it really any different? Here's Muriel Newman. Back in February, New Zealand's new Prime Minister Chris Hipkins attempted to distance himself from the Ardern administration by announcing he would put a match to unpopular policies. Claiming Labour had tried to do too much too fast, he said he was refocusing priorities to put the cost of living front and centre of a new direction. When asked whether the widely despised Three Waters would get the chop, he ruled out scrapping the scheme but admitted the need for reform was unquestionable and that co-governance would be looked at. By mid-March, when the second policy bonfire was announced, the Prime Minister confirmed the new Minister of Local Government, Kieran McAnulty, was still discussing the future of Three Waters with councils in Māori. We have now learnt the results of those discussions. While Three Waters has a new name, and the number of entities has been increased from 4 to 10, the anti-democratic co-governance provisions remain firmly in place. Former MP Tuku Morgan, the Tainui chair, appointed by Nanaya Mahuta to lead the Northern Three Waters iwi body, told the Herald that when they met Kieran McAnulty and his delegation of Maori ministers to discuss the future of Three Waters, they had three bottom lines that they would not budge on. Their first demand was for co-governance boards to be renamed 50-50 partnership boards. Quote, The partnership board better characterises the direction we want to head, as those boards have their foundation in the Treaty of Waitangi. When we get ten boards, we'll have a greater voice, so from that point of view, we are euphoric. We are happy with the results. End quote. Their second demand was for the structure of Entity A to remain unchanged, which in effect requires Auckland to subsidise the three Northland councils. They said, quote, The basis of our support is that remote iwi and hapu who've been left off the council priorities will get looked after, end quote. And their third demand was to retain Timana OTY statements, so nothing will Quote, in any shape or form, overshadow, minimise or compromise the standing of Timana OTY being provided by iwi and hapu. End quote. This, of course, is the mechanism by which Maori will gain control of water. Tuku Morgan said he was over the moon that the minister agreed to their demands. Quote, Those are the three points we debated. And we got what we wanted. I am very, very happy. Unquote. It certainly seems that iwi leaders are the ones calling the shots. 
with Chris Hipkins and his cabinet well and truly under their thumb. You only need to look at the iwi demands over Entity A to see what the future holds. Auckland has the economies of scale to stand alone and deliver affordable water services to its 1.6 million population. And while that's what Aucklanders want, it's not what iwi wants. So thanks to co-governance, Aucklanders will be forced to forever subsidise Northland's iwi and hapu. That's not democracy. The voice of the people no longer seems to matter to Labour. All that now matters to them is the voice of Māori. Let's not allow Labour's reassurances over their water reforms to confuse reality. The co-governance arrangements that were originally proposed in Three Waters have not changed. Renaming them a 50-50 partnership alters nothing. However, the Prime Minister is now clearly concerned at the growing public backlash to co-governance being retained. So that, as the Herald reported, he's now even trying to deny co-governance ever existed in Three Waters. Quote, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins actually denied that this model was co-governance, saying Three Waters does not and never has included co-governance, pointing out that there is no requirement for the entity boards to be co-governed, only the group that the boards report to is split 50-50. He said, let's be clear about this, it's not co-governance and it wasn't co-governance. Let's be clear about co-governance. Co-governance, as it's traditionally understood, was taken off the table in Three Waters reform process some time ago. There was an early discussion about whether a full co-governance model should be adopted here, and ultimately the government decided not to do that. End quote. The problem for the Prime Minister is that his own ministers say it's co-governance. In June last year, Radio NZ reported... Quote, Nanaya Mahuta told RNZ there were two reasons behind the co-governance aspects, which guarantee mana whanua equal representation with councils on an oversight group. Part of it is because the Crown must uphold its treaty obligations. The other thing is that several treaty settlements that have been reached also have obligations that are carried through in terms of the relationship with their waterways. And so it was important to ensure that Timana OY aspirations could be achieved through this reform program as well. End quote. And just last week, TVNZ reported, quote, McAnulty said the shake-up retained a co-governance component. There's a good reason for that. We signed a treaty. The treaty recognises Maori have special rights in water in particular. That is something that's been tested in the courts and found to be part of New Zealand law. When I was putting forward alternatives for Cabinet to consider, I wasn't willing to change that because I think it's the right thing to do. End quote. While Minister McAnulty was correct to call co-governance arrangements co-governance, he was well astray on the reasons for having co-governance. This week's NZCPR guest commentator, former judge and law lecturer Anthony Willey, outlines the legal ownership status of fresh water. He says, quote, At common law, land, including the land underneath water, was regarded as a commodity, 
like any other that could be owned and transacted. Water was never regarded by the common law as a commodity in that sense. The court held that a landowner had no right to the ownership of water which either flows through or percolates within that land. In this way, the courts recognised that water, like air, is not only vital to the survival of all species on the planet, but is something in which humanity has had no hand in creating. It therefore, like air, occupies a unique status in the eyes of the common law. It cannot be owned by anybody. End quote. Further, lawyer and former National MP Graham Reeves sets the record straight regarding the claims that the courts have decided that Maori have legal rights to water. Quote, the first thing to consider is that the reports produced by the Waitangi Tribunal are not decisions made by the courts. The most authoritative court case to have considered the ownership of water is the Supreme Court decision between the New Zealand Maori Council and the Attorney General delivered on 27 February 2013. The appellants lost the appeal which included their claim that they owned the water in the Waikato River. End quote. While Minister McAnulty has admitted 50-50 co-governance is undemocratic, he justifies it by claiming, quote, there are provisions in our laws around the treaty that aren't democratic. There are provisions that we have in this country that wouldn't stand up to a purely academic democratic framework. That's not how we work in New Zealand. We recognise that this country was founded on a treaty that gives Maori particular rights and interests in certain things. End quote. So there we have it. Labour's reinvention of democracy ignores the fundamental principle of one person, one vote, and instead kowtows to Maori supremacists who've reinvented the treaty to gain political influence and control public resources. As if tribal control of the governance of water entities is not bad enough, the real power of Labour's water reforms rests in the Timana OTY statements, which are found in Part 4 of the Water Services Entities Act. These statements can only be issued by iwi and hapu, and will force the boards running the water entities to do virtually anything they want. The former Mayor of Kaipara, Dr Jason Smith, was appointed to the Three Waters Working Group by Nanaa Mahuta to help thrash out the detail of the proposed legislation. He says it is totally unacceptable what Iwi intended when they recommended the inclusion of these statements in the legislation. Quote, Timana OTY's statements are in a league of their own within the Three Waters reforms, far removed from the already controversial co-governance arrangements. Timana OTY's statements are legislated to cover every square centimetre of all the land, including under every home, farm or place of business, as well as many kilometres out to sea. Simple and powerful, whatever these statements contain must be put into effect, no questions asked. There is no co-governance. In the simple truth, Māori only may write the Timana OTY statements. There is nothing co about this. 
It's a different type of constitutional arrangement from anything we've seen before. End quote. Totalitarian tribal rule of water is, of course, a key goal of Hipurpur, which clearly continues to be rolled out under Chris Hipkins. So what are the other changes the Prime Minister has made to Three Waters? The policy will now be called affordable water reform, despite the fact that it's less affordable than its predecessor. The PM, however, is no doubt hoping to imprint in the mind of voters that the only thing that matters is that their policy will deliver cheaper water in the future. He's conveniently downplaying the tribal rule aspects. But the fact is, the modelling purporting to produce affordable water has been roundly discredited. Quite simply, the projected savings in 30 years' time are imaginary. No sane analyst would claim any degree of certainty when projecting 30 years into the future, and few would be so bold as to suggest the projections justify a major upheaval of New Zealand's entire water management system. What has also been conveniently suppressed by Labour, and indeed by the mainstream media, is the fact that the Labour government has legislation before Parliament to force ratepayers to underwrite the massive borrowing that the water entities will undertake, even though they'll have no control over them. When Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and Local Government Minister Nanaya Mahuta launched their revamped Three Waters scheme after winning a majority in the 2020 election, they claimed the reforms were necessary to save lives. They alleged the country had such poor quality water that 34,000 New Zealanders a year were getting sick. And even though the Ministry of Health's annual water quality audits showed excellent results, as did the regular surveillance reports from the ESR, no journalists held the Prime Minister and local government minister to account for their misleading claims. Back then, the lies were about water quality. Now the lies are about affordability. In reality, Three Waters was always a Trojan horse used by Jacinda Ardern and Nanaya Mahuta to hide the fact that Labour was passing control of water to Māori. Since Chris Hipkins' affordable water reform does not change that, Māori control of water is set to become a major election issue. And the choice is now clear. If you don't support Māori being given the power to control water in New Zealand, don't vote for Labour, the Greens or the Māori Party in October. That's it for this week. Don't forget to visit www.nzcpr.com if you'd like to register for our free newsletter, take part in our poll or access a treasure chest of valuable information. See you soon. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by NZCPR Media.